So, so thankful, so thrilled, so grateful that you could join us this morning. Uh, we're going to go ahead and continue service. I want to say continue service because uh, I know that some of us, we've already been praying and fasting and worshiping and um, hearing from God, even as we prepare for, prepare for service. Uh, what a beautiful thing. God doesn't just speak during service. God speaks before, during, and after. And God is always speaking. We just have to make sure that we are listening. So welcome to the service, Facebook Live Family, Zoom Live Family, and South Bay Abundant Life Family. Thank you. Bless you on today. Um, we, we're in the ninth month. It is the first Sunday in September. What a year, what a God we serve. Many are talking about the year, but there's a, a few of us talking about the God we serve and how we've uh, drawn closer to God this year. And it's been a fabulous year to grow closer to God, to hear from God. So uh, always be careful who you listen to. It's always the lens and the perspective. Uh, this is when, this has been one of the most precious years of my life as far as me growing closer to God, hearing from God, and uh, listening to God. So um, I'm thankful to be here the ninth month, and it's going to be very interesting to see these last, uh, this last quarter of the year, what God is going to continue to do. So uh, with that being said, let's just go ahead and open the service in prayer, um, and, and let's just expect um, God to say some really powerful things this morning. Uh, 
as we prepare for service, uh, you should have your physical Bible, you should have your notebook, you should have your pen, your paper, so you can take notes. Remember, God's always speaking. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we bless you. Lord, we pause to bless you right now. We thank you, we love you, we want to bless you, Lord. You've blessed us so much this week. God, you just really provided for us, uh, protected us, Lord, from danger seen and unseen. You've covered us. You've answered prayers. You've told us to wait. You've told us to be patient. You've told us to mature. You've told us to grow up. You've comforted us. You've convicted us. You've challenged us to be more like you this week. So we just pause to bless you and to say, thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you would convict us, you would chasten us, you would challenge us so we could uh, look more like you and be conformed to your image. So we rest in you, Lord. We uh, wait in faith for you, Lord. We trust you and we wait patiently, even in the midst of our struggles, Lord, we're, we're trusting you to work out the details and we're committed to you, Lord. So we're just so grateful. We would ask right now from the worship to the word, Lord, that you would be glorified and your people would be edified. God, we don't need a, opinions. We don't need the, the, the latest uh, news headline, Lord. We don't need conspiracy theories, God. We need the word of God this morning. We don't need information, Lord. We want revelation that leads to transformation. So bless your people to hear and to receive. Uh, bless this service. Smile down on it, Lord. May your Holy Spirit, we invite your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us throughout this service. God, we need to hear from you. Guide us. So much happens from Sunday to Sunday. God, we need you more today than we did yesterday. So we ask your blessings upon this service, our hearts and our minds to be focused on you, to be uh, expecting greatness from you because you are great, greatly to be praised and your greatness is beyond understanding. So we love you, Lord. We trust you. Have your way in this service. We're so excited, not about what's going on in the world, but, but the solution that we have in Jesus Christ. Bless this service. It's yours, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, enjoy the worship. Uh, engage in the worship. Write down what God is speaking to your heart during worship. Then we'll come back, we'll have a few announcements, and then we'll get right into the word. It is Communion Sunday, so if you would, prepare your heart for that as well. Uh, have your sacraments, your, your, your crackers, your bread, your juice, your wine, whatever you prefer. Uh, it's all to the glory of God. Jesus Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because Jesus knew that there would be life and death and birth and marriage and divorce and jobs and layoffs and and sickness and pandemics. And he said, pause and put your life back in biblical perspective. Do this, in, do this in remembrance of me. Never forget that I died and resurrected for you and I'm coming back for you. So we're gonna celebrate the Lord this morning with communion. So prepare your heart for that and prepare your sacraments and we'll take communion at the end of service. Uh, and let me say this, you don't have to be a member of South Bay Abundant Life Church to take communion with us all you have to do is have a relationship, have, have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you've done that, then please take communion with us. Amen. So we will see you in a few after worship.
again, announcements, then we will get right into the word and we'll end service today uh, with communion. God bless you. Moving in our midst, I worship you.
serve a God that never stops working. It, it, for those of you taking notes, just write that down in your notebook. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. <clears throat> Amen. While we were sleeping last night, God was working. Thank God he never sleeps or slumbers. Uh, and that's a God worth serving, a God that's always working on behalf of his children. And uh, we're so grateful and we're so thankful, even to the point where Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Make a note that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for us right now, that we, that we continue to trust him, that we uh, continue to, to persevere in the midst of our struggles, that we don't give up, that we don't fall apart, that we pray, that we, that we love, uh, that we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that desperately needs it. So God is praying for us as we're praying to God for our needs. God is praying for us that we stay encouraged and that we stay strong, that we stay in the word uh, during the midst of everything, our highs and our lows, even, our, even your success, our success can take us from God. So it's not always a struggle that takes you away from God. It could be the blessings of God and the success of God. And you get caught up and think that it's coming from you and you get so excited that you forget the God that got you there. So it's not always a struggle that takes you away from God. It can be the blessings and the success. So either way, God is praying for us and God never stops working. So be encouraged. A few announcements. Uh, <clears throat> as always, want to thank you for your giving. So grateful and so thankful and so blessed for your, for your giving. And if you're on your, your desktop and you're giving, you just go to southbayalc.com, push the giving icon, and then proceed accordingly. If you're on your phone, you pull us up on south, at southbayalc.com, push the three bars, and then giving and give accordingly. And if you are like me and you mail it in and you're still writing checks, um, you can make the check payable to SBALC, and that's 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Let me say it again. Um, make the check payable to South Bay Abundant Life Church or SBALC, 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. <clears throat> I wanna invite you all to Bible study uh, this Wednesday night, it has been fabulous. It has been encouraging. It's been a great time of fellowship and engaging and interaction, interaction and interacting as we go through the word of God. This is a great time to start. It's a great month to start. Um, we just finished Second Samuel. Um, and so now we step into First Kings, uh, just an incredible chapter. So David's life has, his, has come to an end. And so now Solomon is getting, well, David's life is coming to an end. 
and Solomon is getting ready to sit on the throne and take over for his father, David. And we pick it up in 1 Kings. So it's 1 Kings chapter 1. You, you want to be there. It is just amazing. So from Genesis all the way to uh, 2 Samuel, we've read the Bible. We're strategically and systematically going through the Bible. And what we see is a, a God that loves, a God that's merciful, the grace of God, the love of God, the kindness of God. But we do see the discipline of God. We see the wrath of God and how God doesn't deal with sin. God hates sin, but he just asks us just to be loyal to him and trust him and walk with him. And everything we've always been looking for, God said he will provide. And that's not material things. That's just a complete abundant life in God. So all I can say is please join us uh, for Bible study. I'm so excited. I've already peeked ahead a little bit and it's just gonna be an incredible chapter. We've also been writing our own songs. So uh, we had a few people share on, um, on Wednesday night. We'll have a few more share this Wednesday. Very encouraging, very uplifting. It's just amazing what God is doing uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then if you have a prayer need, our prayer request, and we thank you for those who've given us the privilege to pray uh, and for you and just letting us know how to pray specifically for you, uh, just email us at life at southbayalc.com, life at southbayalc.com, or you can go to the website, southbayalc.com, and just when you go to contact, you can send us an email. It comes right to our email through the website as well. Uh, one last thing I want to share, one of the ministries that we support is Teen Challenge International, and they're having a walk for recovery September 1st through September 30th. It's a virtual walk. Last year, it was a physical walk down in Long Beach, and many of us joined them there. Um, Teen Challenge, they reach out to those that have uh, been abused or are having uh, issues with alcohol and drugs. They give them a place to live for a year and get their life back on track. We support that ministry financially, and they're just lives being changed throughout the country because of Teen Challenge International. And so they're having a walk for a virtual walk for recovery. So send me an email, life at South Bay LC, if you want more information, how you can be a part of that. But a part of being a Christian, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So as we are a blessing to others, we're blessing God. And in, in return, it's just a biblical principle how God blesses us. It's far more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so Teen Challenge International is a ministry that we've been in, investing in for years and just... Uh, what they're doing and how they're changing lives. You all would be, uh, those of you who were on the, uh, at the meeting uh, when they shared a couple of weeks ago, it was just astounding. And the young lady that gave her testimony of how God has changed her life and there's thousands of others that they're touching daily. So um, that's the walk for recovery. And if you want more information, just let me know. Please send me an email through the website. And uh, it is time to get into the word. So if you would, <clears throat> Open your Bibles to Psalms 119.105, 119.105, and as you are turning, I will be praying. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. As your word tells us this morning, your word is a lamp unto our, to our feet and a light unto our path. It illuminates the way, Lord, as we try our best to navigate through a dark, fallen, broken, dying, dead, and decaying world. Speak to us through your word. Your word is truth. It's been tried. It's been tested. Heaven and earth shall fade away, but your word will never fade away. 
Your word will never disappear. That's why it has to be the foundation of our life. Bless your people to hear. Bless your people to stand on the word of God, to make it their foundation. We open our hearts and minds to receive what the word of God is speaking to us this morning. Bless us to hear. Bless us to know that you are also here. And bless us to live your word, Lord. We don't want information. God, give us revelation that leads to transformation. Thank you, Lord, now in advance. Holy Spirit, teach us, lead and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, family, I'm going to try and take us through the word this morning. In addition to that, I'm going to try and tie in just a message. Uh, would it be in the first Sunday in September? Tied in with a communion message as well. Then we'll take communion. So I won't be all over the place, but I'll be, I'm doing too much already. I just want to let you all know that. Uh, and remember, we're still in the series, uh, Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd. Um, and Paul and Silas giving the jailer and his family the word which changed their life. Family, that's why we're still in this sub-series of the word. Uh, because the word is what changes the lives of people. Not opinions, um, not pointing in their face, not browbeating them, not beating them over the head with the Bible. But when people allow the word of God to infiltrate their heart, their mind, and their life, it changes and transforms their life. So we're, we're in uh, Psalms 119. Um, last week we were in Psalms 119, 103. It talked about how sweet the word was. Uh, and even in bitter, even when life gets bitter, the word is still sweet. Even in our toughest times, God's word is still sweet. That's Psalms 119, 103. And then 104 talked about how uh, David is saying, because I have the word, because I'm living according to the word and the plan that God has for my life through the word. I'm able to discern deception. And he said he hates the evil way. He hates the, the false road, the false way. And so we, last week we talked about the two roads and, and how the word of God allows us not to go down the wrong road. And so now we pick it up in Psalms 105 and look at the, the word of God. Look at what it is in addition to being sweet and in addition to allowing us to discern the deception and, and to hate the false way. Because when you compare the, the, the realness of the word, the, the truth of the word with the, with the lies of the world, then you do hate the false roads that lead to nowhere and lead to destruction and you have to love the truth of God. So then David talks about a very familiar scripture, passage of scripture, which I really love and appreciate. Uh, Psalms 119.105, it says, God, your word, underlining your word is a lamp, underline lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So make sure you underline lamp and light and the word. This is what the word of God is. And so when you break it down, the word. So I've, as we've been studying the word, family, and I, I've been going over the word with you. Um, the word is a, it's, it's another translation for the word. It's, it's a prescription. We talked about that. And as you compare it to your medical prescriptions, how we'll, we'll trust a medical prescription and a a medical opinion of a doctor before we trust the word of God. And the word of God is, in the Hebrew, it's just, the word is a prescription, but it's also a script. 
So in addition to being the, the, the medicine for our life, the word, it's also a script on how to live. It gives us a blueprint. It also says it's a blueprint. It's a formula. Underline this and make a note of this. This is what the word is. And this is what David is saying. Your, the word, the word of God, your prescription, your, your script, your formula, your blueprint, it's also a mixture, but it's also a method. It's a cure. It's a measure. It's a direction. Then we got the purpose and the plan. It's a set time that guides me. Wow. So God's word, the prescription, the script, the, the portion, the limit, the boundary of the word, the, the blueprint, it's a blueprint. And then David says, all of that, your word has become a lamp unto my feet. Make a note, feet. Uh, it talks about endurance, the word feet in Hebrew. So the word of God, I'm trying to break this down so we understand what David's saying. The word of God, the, the formula, the blueprint of God has become a lamp. It becomes a light. Um, the word of God lights my way so I can see. And it's, it's a lamp unto my feet. And what is the feet? Is, it's, it's my journey. But feet also speaks of endurance. So the word of God gives me endurance. Feet also speaks of timing. So the word of God lights it up and I can see that it's my time or it's not my time because I'm trusting God. Uh, it also speaks of pace. So it talks about the word of God tells us how to pace ourselves. Sometimes we're moving too, God, too soon and God is saying, slow down. Sometimes we want it right now and God says, be still and know. So feet also talks about pace. So the word of God, it lights, it lights up my way and I can see the pace I should be at, the time I should be at, and the journey I should be on. And it gives me endurance to, to um, walk in the will of God for my life. So here we go. Because light, it says, a lamp unto my feet and a light. Uh, the light meaning is bright and it's clear. It's bright and it's clear. So we got a lamp which lights it up the light, which is bright and clear, um, unto my path, unto the God-given purpose that God has for my life. All right, that, that's a mouthful. All right, let me, let me pull it together so it's, it's clear for you. Um, Psalms 119.105. Your word, your prescription, Lord, your script, your formula, Lord, is a light unto my path, uh, my, my feet, my, my pace. Uh, it, it's, it's a lamp unto my feet, so it lights up the, the path, the journey that you have me on. And it's also a light. It's bright and it's clear. It makes it bright and clear. The word of God makes it bright and clear, the God-given purpose and plan that God has for my life. Now you see why Paul and Silas gave the jailer the word. Now you see why David is so in love with the word of God. And so family, if we're not walking with God, if we're not in the word of God, then we could be all over the place and we think that we're doing the will of God, but because we're not in the word, because the word is the lamp and the light. It lights it up, it makes it bright, it makes it plain, it makes it clear, then it gives us endurance. Because when, when we're following the, the will and the purpose and plan that God has for our life, we go through highs and lows. The word gives us the endurance so we don't give up when it gets tough. We don't fall apart 
when, the, when our world around us is crumbling. Why? Because the word, it lights it up. It lets us know you're, you're doing the will of God. Be strong, keep going, keep praying and don't faint. Keep, keep praying, keep fasting, keep trusting God. You're on the right path, even in the midst of your struggles. So then if, if the, the word and the, if, if it's a lamp and it's light and it, and it guides us and leads us, then it, it begs the question. So we have to pause. And I had to pause even in the midst of my studies. I had to, to pause and, and ask myself, what really guides me? Does the word of God really guide my decisions? Does the word of God really guide my life? Family, you have to think about it. Before you give the quick church Christian answer, yes, of course it does. No, I beg to differ. We really have to think about it. I've really had to, to be transparent, totally transparent. I had to think, had to pause and ask myself the question, what really guides me? A few options. It could be, you know, money or success. People are driven by money. They're driven by success. Some people are driven by their fears. They're so afraid they won't do anything. They won't take any risks. They won't step out of their comfort zone. They won't do anything that God's called them to do because they're afraid. And then they become self-conscious, right? And not God-conscious. And so you have to really ask yourself, what guides me is it the word of god because if it's the word of god the word of god says god hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind the word of god says we should pray and not faint so we pray and we don't fall apart we don't lose heart we don't lose hope we don't give up on god we don't give up on our god-given dreams we don't give up on our god-given journey so we got to pause and say what really drives me is it greed? Is it, is it lust? Is it the opinions and, and praise of other people? Is it, is it pride? Is it my insecurities? Is, is it my need to be right all the time? Is that what drives me? I have to show people that I'm right, that I'm something, that my, my pride takes precedent over everything else. Had the pause and said, is, is, is the word really my lamp and my light that guides me? Or is it something else? Family, another question, what is the foundation for your decisions? Is it the word of God? Do you lead your house? Do you lead your life by the word of God? What is the foundation? So this is what it's talking about. The word is a lamp and a light. If it's a lamp and a light, then it has to be the foundation for your decisions in life. It has to be the foundation for your responses. When people are getting on your nerves, the word is a lamp and a light. How do you respond? Do you respond with light or do you respond, respond with darkness? If the word is your lamp and your light, then you respond in a godly way and let the light of God shine through you even when folks are getting on your nerves. And then what is the foundation for your speech and your conversation? When you talk with people, when you interact with people, if God's word is a light in your lamp, then it shows in your conversation. It, it shows, it, it shines bright in your speech. Family, we don't take a day off from being light, salt, and love. We don't. The light, your light should be shining all the time. Jesus even said it. He handed us the baton. Matthew 5, what is it? Matthew 5, 16. He said, let your light so shine. You are the light of the world. I believe it's Matthew 13 through 5, 13 through 16. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. 
you and I, then we're, he said, let your light so shine that others may see the good works in you, then glorify God in heaven. It's about being light. We'll talk about that. We're going to go deeper with light next week because we're going to transition into our communion message this day. But make a note, we're going to go deeper with light and darkness because the word is a lamp and a light. So then we should have no fellowship with darkness and we should not be walking in darkness if the word of God is in us. And we know that Jesus Christ is the word and we should be living according to the light as Christians. The world's going to do what the world's going to do, but I'm talking about, and I'm talking to those of us that are Christians, we should be living according to the light of God's word. That's what should, that's what should lead us, the light of God's word. Uh, not our emotions, make a note. This is what should not lead you, not our emotions. <laughs> These souls change, not feelings, not politics, not people. We don't look to athletes and, and, and celebrities to lead and guide us and to form our opinion on how we should act and how we should respond. It's God's word, not conspiracy theories, not CNN, not Fox News. That's not what leads and guides us, family. It has to be the word of God, not gossip. That's not what leads us. Gossip shouldn't guide you. Shouldn't be so into gossip. You gotta just have more to, to keep going. Your day's not made until you hear some juicy gossip. That's not what should, should guide you. And an election or a vote shouldn't guide us. It's not gonna, it's not gonna bring light to our life. And of course, we, we should all participate and vote in an election. Uh, it's our civic duty. But don't you make the mistake as a Christian thinking that's going to bring light to the world. Because all we're going to do, let me, I wrote it down, all we're going to do is trade one flawed sinner for another. Okay, let me say it again. That's why an election, that's why a vote is not going to bring light to this world. All we're going to do is trade one flawed sinner for another. That's all we're going to do. And the world doesn't want change. The world wants to stay the same. Let me share this with you, family. Make a note of this, write it down. Because the only election that's going to change things, let me say it again. The only election that is going to change things is when you elect Jesus Christ, <laughs> as your savior and the Lord of your life. That's what's gonna change and that's what's gonna transform things. First in your heart and then you take the message to the world. That's the only election that's gonna give you a happy ending is when you elect Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And, and, and what, what bothers me uh, and, and I'm saying this now, and because we're in election season and people are talking election, you tell folks, first thing they need to do is elect Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And then that's when change begins to happen within and then without. And then it allows you to pray for those in leadership. And so then we can see change happening in our world through prayer because we believe in prayer and prayer still changes things. And the hypocrisy with 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 elections. Think about this. Uh, the world was offered a, a passionate, caring, all-knowing, all-powerful 
everywhere present at the same time, King and Lord, and they rejected him. <laughs> Isn't that something? Uh, they rejected the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then we want to argue over which flawed sinner we're going to elect to lead us. <laughs> Let me say it again. We reject the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen to the hypocrisy of it. And then we want to elect and, and, and get all bent out of shape and caught up into which flawed sinner we're going to elect to lead us as opposed to allowing Jesus Christ to be the lamp, the light, and lead our life. We refuse, and Christ is knocking at the door of our heart for us to elect him to be Lord and Savior. And we refuse and we reject Christ and get more passionate and caught up about a flawed sinner thinking that it's going to bring light and change to the world. And I'm talking to the church right now. I'm not talking to the, to the world. So don't you make the mistake, you use this as an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only one that's gonna change lives and change hearts and change the world. What a powerful time to be a Christian. What a powerful message to take to the world. And by the way, <laughs> It's kind of funny, but the last time Jesus was on the, on the ballot, uh, the world selected Barabbas <laughs> and sentenced Christ to die. Uh, and I would say, Facebook family, you want to push the share button now if you haven't already. Go on and push the share button. We'll go deep but not complicated. Let's tie it in with our communion message this morning, the election of, um, or the, the, the non-election of Jesus Christ. Please turn with me to Matthew uh, 27, 15 through 28. Next week, we will continue with the light and the, and the light uh, and the lamp and the, and the love of Christ, and we'll go deeper with that. <clears throat> but let's tie in our communion message this morning and just see how, uh, how the world hasn't changed at all. Let's see how the world hasn't changed at all. Did I say Matthew 27, chapter 15? Please turn there with me. So make a note. Let's set this up just a little bit. It is uh, the, the time of the Passover. It's time of the Passover when, when the Lord allowed the, the death angel to pass over the houses of those in Egypt, those the, the Jewish houses, those who had a relationship, the children of Israel, they would put blood on the the doorpost and over the top. And when the death angel saw that, he would pass over. It's funny how the Jewish leaders didn't even make the connection that it's, and you always would offer up a lamb uh, during Passover. And all this is going down with Jesus Christ. And they're getting ready to crucify him. His blood's getting ready to be shed during the time of the Passover. God is so strategic. Make a note, we do serve a God of, of, of detail, specifics, order, and timing. The Passover the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection, all happening during the time of the Passover, the Passover lamb, the lamb of God that saved us from our sins. Let's pick up the uh, dialogue at, at verse uh, 15. And I'm sorry, let me say this as well. Judas had just betrayed Christ and he's just been arrested. So the prequel to this, uh, that's what happens before the story, right? 
The prequel is that Judas has just be betrayed Christ and he's been arrested. The sequel to this is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. The story goes from, from bad to worse to the greatest story ever told. So the prequel, and then the prequel to that is communion. So that's why we'll take communion as we get to the end of this story. Amen. So we got the pre-prequel, which is communion. We got the prequel, which is Judas betraying Christ with a kiss. Uh, then we have the trial right here, which is the story. And then the sequel to the story is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But look what happens in verse 15. Now at the feast, we, we talked about it, it's the Passover, it's feasting time, it's celebration time because God delivered the children of Israel. And now God is getting ready to deliver the whole world through Jesus Christ. They didn't see it, but we see it now. Thank you, Lord. But it was customary uh, to release one of the people, a prisoner, whom, who they would wish. All right? So the people had the option. Just like we have the option today to choose Christ or to choose the world, they had the same option. Verse 16. And they had then a notorious, murderous uh, prisoner, notoriously murderous prisoner named Barabbas. Therefore, verse 17, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, who will you will that I release unto you, the notorious murderous killer, or Jesus, which is called the Messiah? <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer, family. It really seems like a, a no-brainer. A no but we got to pause because God is asking us the same question today. Are you going to choose this dying, decaying, dead world are you going to choose Christ? It's a choice, family. You're not going to stand before God and say, I didn't know and, and, and I wish I could have. It's a conscious choice that you make every day to choose Christ or to choose a dead, dying world. Are you going to choose the lamp and the light or are you going to choose darkness? They had the same choice and option that we have today. So before you get upset with them for choosing a murderer and a, and a liar um, who was notorious and for, for just raising all kind of uh, issues and, and trouble within the city, before we get upset with them for choosing him over Christ, who have you chosen today? I told you, go on and push that share button. Your friends and family need to hear this. We want to get so upset with the people. How could they take a murder over Christ? How could they, how did they take this guy, this notorious guy? And he was doing this. This was his M.O. And how would they choose him? But who have you chosen today? What, what is your lifestyle? How, how does your lifestyle reflect who you've chosen? Your choice before we get upset with them. Who have you and I chosen today? I had to stop and pause. And this is a very reflective message. I love it because it calls me to think. And I'm, I'm sharing it with you because you and I need to think as well. Before we get upset with them, who have we chosen? What is your lifestyle? What is your conversation? What does it reflect? What's guiding you? Is it the lamp? Is it light? Is it love? Or is it something else? So I had to check myself before I got upset with them saying, well, what's really guiding me? So we get to verse 17. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called the Christ? 
Verse 18, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. He knew that they were jealous of Jesus Christ. As crazy as that is, Christ came and showed compassion. He, he healed the sick. He fed people. He loved people. He broke all the social norms. He hung out with rich sinners. He hung out with blind beggars. He hung out with, 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 with people he shouldn't have hung out with. He, he broke the social norms. They didn't even talk to women in those days. The men didn't. He talked to a Samaritan woman, which he had, they, they would hate, they hated each other culturally and racially and ethnically. They had nothing to do with each other. Jesus asked her for a drink of water at the well and then told her that he was living water. He broke all the social norms. So before you get caught up and let other people tell you that, that Christianity is a closed-minded religion, you need to study the word because they don't know what they're talking about. And as we see right here, the people rejected Christ just like we do today. Christ didn't reject them. They rejected him. He broke all the social norms. He did not discriminate. We do. God does it. And we see that just because of jealousy. How can you be jealous of God? Because you want to be your own God. You want to do your own thing. You want to live your own life. You don't want anybody to tell you anything. Make a note. It's just like Satan. We get it from, from the, the prince of the power of, of, of the God of this world, which is Satan. Right? His pride got him kicked out of heaven, and our pride keeps us from getting into heaven. Make a note. Let me say it again. Our pride and our arrogance, it prevents us from getting into heaven, and it's the same thing. They got Satan kicked out of heaven. So because of their envy, look at verse 18 again, because of their envy, because of their pride and their arrogance, they said, kill Jesus, because we want to do our own thing, just like society today. Society today is doing its best to try and delete Jesus Christ from everything. You look at mainstream media, they, they used to say we offer our thoughts and prayers. They, are, they won't even say it now, we, we offer our thoughts. What are you offering a thought for? What is a thought going to do? They refuse to say, listen carefully now, they're just saying we offer our thoughts to the family. No, we offer our thoughts and our prayers. They get upset, we're tired of prayers. They're doing everything to delete Christ. Just like right here, they're voting him out of office. And then here's the, the irony and the hypocrisy of it. And then when we get a pandemic or, um, or, or a disaster, then they have the nerve to say, well, well, where was God at when that happened? Well, you voted him out, you kicked him out, you deleted him, you're trying to kill him. What do you think? You want to run to him when there's a problem, but you want to delete him from every area of your life? It doesn't work like that. And it's because of our arrogance and our pride and our envy, and we think that we created God when in fact it's the other way God created us. But I said it before I said it again. Just because you were created by God doesn't make you a child of God. We're not all children of God. And I'll even break that down more when we get into darkness and light next week. But everyone is not. Read John chapter 8. Jesus told the, the Pharisees, you're of your father the devil. So you have, a, you have a heavenly father or you have a satanic father. You only have one or two fathers. I'm going to say it again and you make a note of it and I can back it up with scripture. Send me an email. And if you're in the middle and God's not your heavenly father and the light and the lamp's not leading you, then you're being led and influenced just like these people were 
by a satanic father. And you're not a child of God. You're created by God, but you're not a child of God. And we talked about it last week. Make a note, Matthew 7, chapter 7. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, and that's Matthew 7, 21. He said, many are going to say, Lord, Lord. The same many that were on that road that led to destruction. And then Jesus told them in, in, in what it was, 722, I promise you, I never knew you. So make a note, we're not all children of God. We're created by God, but we're not all children of God. And we see it plainly right here. They voted Christ out. They said, get rid of God and kill him. In our culture and society, we're doing the same thing. We want to have nothing to do with God. We kicked God out of schools in the 70s. And then we're having school shootings and all this other kind of stuff after that. Didn't want kids praying. Didn't want them reading the Bible. Get him out of here. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 19. See, I stay on, stay on time. Come on, Lord, help me this morning. Verse 19. This is Pilate. When Pilate sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, his wife sent him a note. Come on, family. Thank God for godly wives. Thank God for God working through wives. Thank God for the wisdom of a wife, of godly women. His wife sent him a note saying, man, don't you get caught up in this, in this stuff. Don't you listen to the people. How many times have we been getting ready to do something and God sends that voice and says, look, you, you know you shouldn't. You better not. Don't you get yourself caught. Don't do it. Thank God that he sends his Holy Spirit. He used the Holy Spirit to, to Pilate to send a, a note through his wife. Said, you better pause. Don't you let these folks influence you. Come on, family, make a note. Don't you let this culture and this society influence you to kick God out of your life. Even in the midst of a pandemic, folks are still running from God and don't want to have anything to do with God. Don't you listen to those folks and you better run to God. I love this. Verse 19, when he was sat down on the judgment seat, we're going to talk about the judgment seat because uh, Jesus told us in, in Matthew 7 that he'll be judging us. So here you have, you hear you have Pilate judging Christ, but he doesn't know the, the, the script is going to be flipped and Christ is going to be judging him at some point in his life. But when Pilate was sat down in the judgment seat, his wife sent him a note saying, man, don't you have nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. God has showed me some things in the dream. Don't you, don't you do it. Don't you listen to the people. Verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude. Family, make a note. Be careful. These ungodly leaders persuading the multitude. It sounds just like today. You got to be careful who you're following. Are you living according to the word of God, the lamp and the light? Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're allowing to get you caught up in stuff. Listen to that voice saying, no, that's not you. No, that's not your battle. No, that's not your fight. That's not your conviction. No, that's not the plan and purpose that God has for your life. I don't care who's doing it. Don't be persuaded. A couple of leaders at the top persuading the multitude. Get into the word of God. What's really God in your life? These people had no, no guide, no direction. So they're being manipulated by those at the top to persuade the multitude. Why? Because it comes down to pride and envy and ego and jealousy and greed and hatred, all the things we shouldn't allow to lead our life. Be careful 
Who's leading who? And what's the message behind the message? What's the motive behind the message? What's the hidden agenda? Envy and jealousy and pride and hatred. Verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders, be careful of the titles. I don't care what title they have. Be careful who you allow to lead you. The word of God never fades away. That's why we need the word. We don't need opinions. We don't need conspiracy theories. We don't need ungodly leaders influencing people. Be careful. Let the, let the word be your lamp and your light. Be led by the word of God. And when you see things going down and things happening that does not line up with the word of God, you got to ask yourself, what's guiding me and what's the agenda behind it? And is, is it something I should be a part of? Remember, I'm not a politician. I'm not an activist. I'm a pastor. All I have to offer you is the word of God. I'm telling you, don't get yourself caught up in this ungodly society that's not being led by the word of God. That's very similar to what they were doing here, rejecting Christ. And it's people at the top that's influencing the multitude. And why? Hatred, greed, jealousy, envy of what, of who? I don't know. I'm not being a part of it. I'm sticking to the word of God. You got to see through it. That's why David said that the word of God allowed him to discern the deception. And that's why he hates the false way. Make a note that Psalms 119, 104. When he sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a note. We get to verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Mm. <laughs> now, let me say this too, family. Jesus Christ, we, we read last week in Matthew 7, Jesus Christ is on the seat judging us. He's judging us. Why? Because he died for us. And we're going to read a little bit. If I, can, if I can keep going before it gets too late, we're going to read how that he paid a physical price, how they beat him, how they humiliated him. And you and I, we're not going to stand before God and point our finger in God's face and tell him he doesn't know what it's like because Christ does, because he went through it, right? So uh, here, here's, here's, here it is right here. They want to destroy Jesus, but Jesus is going to be the judge that's going to be judging them. So you got to be careful when people say, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual. I don't know what that means, but be careful. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? And they say, no, I'm spiritual. I believe in God, but I don't do that Jesus stuff. See, that's that's the problem. You're going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, I promise you, you think you've been serving God. He's going to say, I promise you, I never know. I never knew you. Jesus Christ is going to judge us. That's why Pete, that's why the, that's the trick of the enemy to say, I'm, I'm into God, but I don't do that Jesus stuff. Who do you think going to judge you? Who died for your sins? Jesus Christ. It's a trick of the enemy to keep you on the broad road that it talks about in Matthew 7 that sends you to hell. Don't fool yourself. Don't let the enemy feed you. fool you. Get into this word. Don't let him feed your mind with that garbage. You can't do God without doing Jesus. It's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. In the Hebrew, it speaks of Elohim, the plural. It's the plural, but it's singular. It's the Trinity. Isn't that something? Influencing the people, just like the world today to choose the world and destroy Jesus. God help us. 
God help us today. Uh, verse 21, the governor answered and said unto them, whether of you, what, which of the two will you have that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas, because they're being influenced by Satan and ungodly people. Verse 23, this is a question for you and for you and I. Um, verse 22, I'm sorry, verse 22, a question for you and I. I love this question, family. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And they all said unto him, let him be crucified. So here's the question today. What you going to do with Jesus? Remember they had the wristbands, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's not the question. The question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? That's the question before us this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? You're going to destroy him? You're going to delete him from your memory and from your life? What are you? I love that. So what do I do with Jesus? He said, get rid of him. If you would ask mainstream media, you ask most of the culture, which I think is just a ploy by the enemy, I think most people would say we need Jesus Christ. I think most people, but if you would ask to put them on the spot and they have to answer with the pressure of the culture looking at them, they'll tell you we need to get rid of him. They do have organizations out there, Freedom From Religion. That's an organization called Freedom From Religion. Get God out of everything. They don't want the Bibles in the hotels. Remember how you go to a hotel uh, pre-COVID? <laughs> and then you go to a hotel and it's always a Bible placed by the Gideons in there. The Freedom From Religion say, no, get rid of all the Bibles. Try and tell private companies how to conduct their business. Uh, they don't want God in anything. Get rid of any cross or any godly, uh, get rid of the Ten Commandments off the, off the walls of, of uh, Congress and the state capitals and all that. Your question this morning, what you gonna do with Jesus? You gonna delete and destroy Jesus from your life? Or are you gonna run to Christ? That's the question. The only election that's gonna change your life is when you elect to have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Don't get caught up in this dark, dying, dead, decaying world. Vote yes. Of course, do your <laughs> civic duty. But I'm telling you, trust God only. And, and keep your focus. An election's not going to change anything unless you're electing Christ to be the Lord of your life. Now, let me hurry through this so we can get into communion. And uh, I, let me read it again because I just love the question. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus, family? Make that your next wristband. What are you going to do with Jesus? What do we do with, is there a place for Jesus today in 2020? Or is Christ irrelevant? Do we delete and destroy? Or do we run to and worship? Verse 23, and the governor said, why? What evil? What has he done? What has Christ done but died and resurrected for our sins? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we refuse to vote him as head of our life, and we choose other garbage. What has he done but healed, delivered, and set free and gave us the light and life to enter into paradise through him? What evil has he done? Verse 24, and oh, I'm sorry, verse 23, and what evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. Just because someone is talking loud doesn't mean that they're right. Just because they got the biggest mouth, you don't know what their hidden agenda is. Be careful for big mouths and loud talkers and screamers. Just because they're talking loud doesn't mean that they're right. 
verse 24, when Pilate saw that these folks are not going to listen, but they're getting ready to, to, to cause a riot, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of Jesus Christ, this just person. Go on and do what you got to do. But I want to let you know that you got to take a stand for Christ because you're going to stand before Christ. Let me say it again. When you have the opportunity, you need to take a stand for Christ because you are going to stand before Christ. So you can try and say, it's not my fight, it's not my business. But if you're a born again Christian and God gives you the opportunity to take a stand for Christ and righteousness, then you need to take a stand because you will stand before Christ. So you should take a stand for Christ and not be ashamed of Christ. And Pilate's going to have to answer and stand before God, just like you and I. God is holding his, his people accountable. You're not going to be able to hide behind, I was just following orders, or I was just doing what I was told to do. Take a stand for God. The, verse 25, then answered all the people and said, his blood be upon us and our children. Be careful what you ask for. Because rejecting Christ has consequences. Let's finish up now. Then they released Barabbas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amen. Then they released Barabbas. And we got to be careful who we're listening to. And following the crowd. Because that's part of the broad road that we talked about last week. That's many on there. It's only a few, and it's only a few that's on that narrow, difficult road. Be careful who you listen. They've released the murder, notorious murder. And look at this as we wind down and get ready to take communion. Verse 26, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when they had beat Jesus, they scourged him with that cat of nine tails. He delivered him to be crucified. See, that's why you're not going to stand before Jesus and tell Jesus you don't understand what it was like to, to be down and to be depressed and to be beat and to be hurt and be betrayed and be taken advantage of and all that kind of stuff. And you're not going to put your finger in Jesus' face and say, why, why? Jesus is paying a physical price for you and I to be free. And he's not going to be listening to any garbage because he just got beat right here for no reason. He was innocent. And you choose a murderer and you think you're going to stand before God and say, well, God, you know, I didn't know. It's not going to work. He's not hearing it. Jesus Christ is not hearing it. You're not going to manipulate, manipulate your way out of it because God sees everything. Right here, he's getting beat for you and I, and he didn't even do anything. You're not going to choose the world over God and expect God to understand. It's not. Verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. They went and got all the other soldiers, <laughs> treating him like he was a notorious criminal where he was innocent. And all he did was came to save the world, not to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. Then verse 28, and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. Talk about being humiliated. And you're telling God how you've been humili humiliated. God, you don't know what they did to me. I can't forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they treated me. The first thing that Christ said when he was on the cross, and go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 11:23. Um, he said seven things as he was being crucified as we transition into our communion message. 
He said seven things when he was on the cross dying. And remember being crucified, they would lay that wooden cross down that's made out of a tree and they lay it and they laid the cross down. They put Christ on top of it and nailed his hands and his feet together. And they stood it up and he would bleed to death and die an agonizing death. He's on that cross. First thing he said is, Father, oh, there's a, there's seven last things that he said, but the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Being betrayed, being lied on, going through that trial and seeing a criminal, a murder, a notorious murder being released, then being whipped, then put on a scarlet robe, being mocked as, say, if you're the king of kings, why don't you come down and save yourself, then being crucified. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then you're going to try and tell me that you're going to stand before God and say you couldn't forgive somebody because you don't know what they did. God, you don't, you don't know. See, that's the problem. You don't know what God has done for you because you haven't read this word. You haven't let the lamp and the light of God's word fill your heart because then all you can do after a message like this, and we got to pause and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me the times I chose this, this, this dark, dying world over the light of Christ. And where I tried to delete Christ from my memory and my life and choose a notorious murderer's satanic father over the love of God and our heavenly father. You don't understand what God's done for you. We're commanded to forgive. Because if Christ didn't forgive us, we wouldn't be able to transition to paradise with Christ. And if you can't forgive God, the word says, if you can't forgive others, then don't expect God to forgive you. And see, you make yourself greater than God. See, that's a, another form of, of flipping the script and your pride and your arrogance. God can forgive them, but you can't. So you're greater than God. That's what, it, that's what you're saying. I'm greater than God because God can forgive them, but I can't. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying we don't have a choice because this wasn't easy what Christ went through for us. And he was innocent. I don't even have to ask you the stuff that you and I have done. Nowhere near close to being innocent. Forgiven? Yes. Sanctified through Christ? Yes, but not innocent. So here we go, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. On the night in which he was betrayed. Here it is. Remember, this is the pre prequel. This is before he gets the kiss from Judas and then before the trial. But it's the same 24-hour period. He was betrayed. He was able to give thanks for being betrayed. Family, we're, this, is a whole, this whole Bible is about reconciliation and what God has done for us. Trying to give us a, a heart of, 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 a, of a lamp and a light to lead our life. Forgiveness, it would change the world overnight. If we could just tap into the true essence of the spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within us, it would change your house overnight. It would change and transform your life overnight. All right, family, we're wrapping it up. I promise you, I'm wrapping it up in just one one or two minutes we're going to go ahead because I think you've gotten the communion message. Get your sacraments.
Get them ready. 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Go on and elevate that bread. Isn't that something? The same night in which he was betrayed. And we already saw what happened after that. He has communion, and Judas is there at the table, and Judas is the one that kisses him and betrays him. And then Judas tried to go and tell him, I'm sorry for what I've done, and he threw the money down because he elected greed over God. And then he regretted it. Let me say it again. Anytime, anytime you reject God, anytime you select greed over God, you're going to regret it. And those of you I've worked with, many of you, we have business ventures and everything. And we do it because we love God. We know that money is a tool, not the assignment. Never make money the assignment. God is always assign assignment. Living for God is the assignment. Spreading the good news of Jesus Christ is the assignment. Judas got it mixed up and he regretted it. Don't get it mixed up. Keep God in God's place and everything else comes after that. But that same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And we saw how he was beaten, the beginning of his body being broken, beaten, then crucified, the spear in the side. <clears throat> Make a note, Christ paid a physical price so we could be free. He knew there would be wars and rumors of wars and elections and life and death and birth and marriage and divorce layoffs and jobs and business and ministry said don't lose your biblical perspective christ is coming back for us <clears throat> be encouraged family god knew there'd be famines and pandemics earthquakes pestilence everything said do this in remembrance of me give thanks go underneath that which represents his body After the same manner also he took the cup, <clears throat> verse 25, and when he had drank, <clears throat> he said, this cup is a new testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In the book of Leviticus, it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Something had to die so we could live. But it was a sacrificial lamb of God once and for all. Christ died for our sins once and for all. And when we, when we accept him and embrace him and receive him as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ being shed for our sins. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Verse 26, as often as you drink, <clears throat> as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. Family, be encouraged. Christ is coming back. And the way things are going, looks like it could be soon. But in, the, but in the meantime, keep electing Christ as your Lord and Savior daily and live for him daily and never forget what Christ has done for you. This communion helps us to keep our life in a biblical lens. When we get together on Wednesdays and Sundays, it helps us to keep our life in a biblical lens. 
because the world beats us up and we can forget and forget that Christ is coming back for us. So be encouraged this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for this communion. The bread and the, and the wine are the juice, Lord. And we love you for it, for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go on and drink that which represents his blood. And Lord, we just want to say thank you for your word this morning. The most important election we ever have is to elect you as our Lord and Savior. So God, we just ask for forgiveness of our sins for all the times we chose darkness over light and followed the crowd when we knew it wasn't right. And listen to those not even knowing the agenda that they had, the hidden agenda they had behind them. Being jealous of God, being jealous of Christ. Forgive us, Lord. And we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the encouragement. Let us walk in, the, in your word because it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It illuminates this way, Lord, as we have to navigate through the remainder of this year and beyond taking it one day at a time that your word, the, light, the lamp and the light of your word guides. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, family, I just want to thank you as we are over time <laughs> this morning with our communion Sunday, time well spent in the word of God. Um, if you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, please email us life at southbayalc.com. Prayer requests, prayer needs, life at southbayalc.com. Uh, remember, Bible study, we're starting in 1 Kings chapter 1. You don't want to miss it. You want to be there. It is powerful. It is transformative. I love God's word. And then want to thank you all for your giving. I would ask that you just continue to give so we can continue to be a blessing. Um, to a world that so desperately needs to elect Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior of their life. And we're going to keep getting that message out. I encourage you, when folks start talking about election, you let them know, look, I've elected to have Jesus Christ as a Lord of my life. Yes, I'm going to vote, but Jesus Christ is the only answer, the only cure for this world. And people just like them, they're going to reject and they want to destroy and delete Christ. But you take a stand for Christ. Because remember, you and I, we're going to have to stand before Christ. <laughs> and don't be swayed by the opinions of people because you don't know what their hidden agenda is. But we know that it's rooted in jealousy and envy and greed and hatred. The word told us then and it's telling us the same thing now. So take a stand for Christ because you and I will stand before Christ. I love you, family. That's it. We're over time. I can't wait till next week. I promise you. Uh, God's word will be speaking next week as well. I hope to see you Wednesday night. Oh, we're gonna have a great time Wednesday night. Please, if you can, uh, be there. Make the effort to be there. Lord, we thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Be blessed, family. Love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Um, try and be cool and stay out of the heat today. And um, hope to see you Wednesday. And then Lord willing, next Sunday. Walk in the light. Let the light guide your life. Amen. Okay. I'll see you next week.